watch cartoons We'll take a look back at where we've been So let's hop into our time machine Hello and welcome to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine I'm Scarlett I'm Katie we're your animates, and today to welcome in spooky season, the best season of all that makes me so very happy, uh, I have hijacked this time machine to talk about a subject that I really want to talk about that no one ever wants to talk about with me because not a lot of people remember this movie and it's not, I think, terribly high in anyone's esteem, but I grew up with it and I love it and it's Scooby-Doo in the Ghoul School. It was a 1988 made-for-TV movie. Uh, it was a the Scooby Scooby Doo made a bunch of movies that like weren't the whole gang doing uh, you know mystery-solving shenanigans, but would just be Shaggy, Scooby, and frequently Scrappy Doo uh, getting into shenanigans, frequently supernatural-based. Um, I think it was it was vaguely based on 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, uh, which was a, uh, a, a series that they did a few episodes of uh, way back in the day um, that was, uh, you know, a little more supernatural based than the other uh, the other Scooby-Doo cartoons. It would also just feature Scooby, Shaggy and Scrappy. Um, but this particular one, for whatever reason, you know, you know when you're a kid, Katie, and like you just have VHS tapes and you don't really know where they came from, why you have them. They're just things that your parents got at some point and are just in your house, so you watch them. That yes. was me and Scooby-Doo in the Ghoul School because it came out 10 years before I was born, so there's really no good reason why I should have had it. Uh, and yet, it was. Pre I'm pretty sure it was my most watched movie growing up. I watched this so many times to the point where I, I probably haven't watched it in 15 years. And then I watched it again this week and like little lines I remember, like I can't even really give examples of it. It's just like moments that like I hadn't even thought about, but I like felt myself being like, oh yeah, I know like the next thing that guy is gonna say just because I'd watched it so many times as a very small child. It is now kind of like burned into my very essence, like, standing in like a nuclear blast and having your shadow on the wall basically the equivalent of that but the movie burned into my brain and its shadow is just imprinted on the entirety of my brain now you are already in fine form today it's it's just i i needed to express the violence to which this movie has entered my brain it is just I it does not deserve this. I just I, I want to put that out there. Having rewatched it, it is fine. It is just serviceable in the extreme. It's but, not great in terms of a couple things. Oh, okay, it so, stuck so, with so you. I, you. I I yeah I, I know you you watched uh, so, some if not quite all of it. What what were your thoughts, uh, Katie, on, on Scooby Doo? And actually, would you like to give us a a brief summary of what the movie is about? As a as I'd a love to try. Um, well, I would like to say the first thing I, I, that came to my mind as I was watching it was, started watching was, huh, I don't remember this title, but I do remember this a little bit. Okay, <laughs> it's somewhere okay. somewhere safe back there. Um, 
I remember parts of it, like the characters are familiar. I don't know if that's because they've showed up again in other things. Like you were, they've basically not. They like yeah. I, from Wikipedia tells me that they showed up in an episode of OKKO, which I don't think you've watched. Nope. So yeah, I've definitely, I had yeah. definitely seen parts of it. To be fair, Scooby Doo was like when they weren't playing anything else on Cartoon Network, was what they played all day for a while. So yeah, I I've watched a lot. Um. But overall, a lot of the thought was, now mind you, I watched in a, well, I discovered the internet lied to me, lied to me and it wasn't available on Prime Video. It was only available oh. if you had the Boomerang subscription. Yeah. Which I don't. Did you, did you do what I did and watch the entire thing on YouTube? Because the entire thing lives on YouTube. But did you find the entire thing in its entirety in one video or in oh, only no. four minute chunks? Four minute chunks. And yeah. how we escaped the copyright gods of, of Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. But also, Warner Brothers, you don't care about your content anymore. You're like That's true. wiping Infinity Train off the face of the earth. Like, let us pirate the heck out of your 1988 direct-to-VHS movie. Yeah. So I I watched it all. I, apparently, we both watched it in these four and a half minute chunks. Yeah. Every the so often, there was watched. a there was an interesting cut where I went. I think we lost the last four minutes. I I don't think we ever lost four. If you watch them, I don't think we ever lost four minutes. I think again because I have like permanent memory of it. I think there was like one that like jumped thirty seconds. Okay. But- but not nothing so extreme. You didn't miss much in that chunk of time. However, I still felt like I watched a couple movies. <laughs> like a couple television movies in one go. What are you saying? This movie doesn't have a really clear through line and has many, many plots happening. Well, plot, uh, plot A for the first third of the film is, hey, there's a volleyball game between the Boy Scouts and the Monster Scouts. So, so you, you've watched what we do in the shadows, right? Yes, I have. So the reason this movie was actually more brought to mind for me, again, it's been burned into my mind for a long time, but a, like a year or two ago, there was an episode of what we do in the shadows uh, where one of the main characters uh, basically does witness protection where he goes and acts as a girls volleyball coach in the Midwest. Um, it's, it's one of the best episodes of the series, if not the best episode of the series. And I was talking to my boyfriend about it and I like sort of had the realization, like, wait a minute, this is just the plot of Scooby-Doo in the girls' school. And he was understandably like, what is that? And but the you thing know, is, it's not the plot here. of the movie. It's the plot of the first third of the movie. It's a, but it's a very important first third. That's well, again, to, to try to give a little bit of a summary of this movie so that our listeners aren't completely lost. And yes, there will be spoilers and we don't care. And if you are concerned about that, go watch it all on YouTube in four minute increments. Um, but the 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 inciting incident of this movie is that Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy Doo, who is so annoying um they, we can always talk about how scrappy d was treated in the original script for uh the live action film by james gunn yeah where he just like got put down in a, an offhand comment um, <laughs> very offhand comment which is so weird um but anyway they get they somehow not a lot of description they have been hired as uh gym coaches at an all-girls private school uh, and the school 
turns out to be not just a girl's school, but a ghoul school. And they make that pun a lot. They're really proud of themselves. Um, I will say as a kid, I did not fully get that ghoul was meant to kind of sound like girl. And it was really only upon this rewatch that like, I sort of realized that's what they were going for. Um, because those two words don't actually sound that much alike. Um, and when you're a kid, I don't think you make that connection quite so much. Uh, or maybe I was just dumb. But anyway, I guess Shaggy is a gym teacher now. And very importantly, he is not just a gym teacher. He is specifically there to help uh, the ghoul school, the, the girls of the school who are all the daughters of the various universal monsters like Dracula, the Wolfman, the Mummy, um, random ghost. I don't know if he was supposed to be a specific ghost, but he was a, a creepy ghost and he has a daughter who is the best. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's so... The goal is to uh, train the girls to victory at volleyball against the neighboring school, which is a military school, with some boys who I think are the only ones who react normally to anything in this movie. They're like, this is really weird. What are we getting ourselves involved with? This is horrible. And everyone else around them is reacting like all this stuff is totally normal. So I I like the cavalry cadets. I think they're very fun. Um but if funnily enough, even though the as as Katie has said, the first third of the movie is entirely dependent on Shaggy training these girls to win this all important volleyball game. No actual volleyball training occurs. They go for a jog. They go for a swim. They do ballet. They basically do everything with these girls except teach them how to play volleyball uh, up until yeah, at the midway point of the movie when they actually play and again spoiler alert they win and it's great and and they they have victory before the rest of the plot comes in which is just so strange <laughs> um but yeah that first volleyball plot is mostly what i remember from this movie uh like growing up is just like i i really like they have this giant spider who comes in and makes the net every time with his like little spider webs um, and I just really like that. I like the music they play when he comes in. He's like, like it's everything in this in this movie just like reeks 80s cartoon in the best way possible. And I think the sound effects are there. Um, it's it, it is a lot of really fun, fun sounds. We did a whole episode on bad 80s cartoons, and this a hundred percent fits with them. The middle next plot really reminds me of like the Legend of Zelda one where we just kind of get the ooh magic potion what are they doing from the villains yeah there's there's definitely some like the evil villain is evil to be evil there is no real sense of why she is evil um her name is Revolta which is just a great name for your cheesy 80s villain but Re I mean, yeah, and we've redone those with uh, redoing 80s cartoons now. That really sounds like it fits in with uh, yeah. She-Ra, so. Yeah, that, no, Revolta's definitely a She-Ra villain. Like, uh -huh. that's, I mean, I like she has four arms. Like, that's pretty rad. Um, she, she's, I don't know, she's, she's kind of, she, she's enjoying herself. Who, who's that voice actress? Uh... Runa Liz. I I don't know who who you are, but you were good job. Good job. You you understood the assignment in in the best way possible. 
because uh, she's just kind of like, I will steal the ghoul girls and I will turn them evil so that they will do my evil bidding. Like there is no other explanation given for why she is after these girls other than like, they are monsters, their dads are monsters. I'm going to steal them and make them evil. Like that, that, that was the entirety of the plot. Um, which is fantastic. I, I approve. I very much approve. Um, and it doesn't work, of course, because Scooby and Shaggy and Scrappy come to the rescue and they fumble their way through, um, and, and they get the girls out and it's all, it's all wonderful. Um, Katie, did you have a favorite of the, of the ghoul girls, of the ghouls? Uh, hmm. That was a great question. I wish I remembered a lot already. They, they spend a lot of time introducing each of them in turn as, yeah. as, as Shaggy and Scooby comically run from each of them and smash into the wall. Again, I don't, I don't know what they were expecting each time. Like there, there's gotta be a, a, uh, a, a, you know, some sort of loss over time of how scared you could be, but like they, they just keep running. <laughs> um, whichever is the one who is the Frankenstein's daughter. Elsa, um, Elsa Frankenstein. Simply, simply because she really reminds me of a canker sister from Ed, Ed, and Eddie for some reason. You're so right. And oh. it stuck with me the whole time. Hey, guess who she's the, the voice actress is the mother of? That, that the actress is Pat, a woman named Pat Music. Music, I'm, I'm not pronouncing it right. Um, but her daughter is none other than Mae Whitman. Voice of, voice of Katara and uh, Amity on Owl House and wow. I'm sure many, many other roles, but is a delightful, wonderful voice actress. Um, yeah, that's- Look at that. Talent, talent runs in the family and is, if I, you know, that that's pretty wonderful. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, uh, I, I, I like her a lot. I think, uh, I, I think she's, she's a, a fun one. I, I, well, you know, I will, I, I feel like I've talked some smack about this movie and, you know, it's definitely not the high art that I was kind of hoping it would somehow be. Um, but credit where credit is due. I love that all of these girls are delightfully weird. Like only one of them, Dracula's daughter kind of falls into that, like, weirdly sexualized little girl vibe yeah that got weird there was so like so speaking of the sound effects like there would be like weird like burlesque music playing whenever she showed up and like she spoke in this really low sexy voice I'm like she's supposed to be like 10 right this is this is weird um but all of the other ones were like they were monsters like they were freaky they were weird they they got into shenanigans um like they all sort of had like roughly the same personality of being like kind of dumb and happy-go-lucky and like whenever Shaggy or Scooby, you know, acted terrified of them and ran away, they were like, oh boy, our gym teachers sure love running. Like that, that was just kind of like a repeated gag. Like none of them really had a strong personality, but they were strange. Like Elsa is a Frankenstein monster. Like and not like a cool, fun monster high, like, 
you know, teenage teenage Frankenstein, she like speaks in like a weird low voice. Like I think her voice almost sounded like a little bit like like maybe she was trying to be like a little bit like a deaf person, like that sort of like sort of a monotone kind of low tone, um, which I thought was interesting. Like that, you know, there was not really an attempt to make her sound, you know, hip and feminine and like a teenage girl. She was just that's probably what a creature made of sewed together dead bodies might sound like, you know, not particularly uh, human, shall we say. Um, but that was a, that was a pretty good, I think, I think uh, portrayal. Um, I, I, li I like uh, Phantasma, um, who's voiced by Rusi Taylor, uh, who recently passed away, but an incredibly prolific voice actress, most well known for voicing Minnie Mouse for many years. I think she might have voiced it her, her for the most uh, longest period of time out of any actress who had the character. Um, yeah, long, longest tenured actress to voice Minnie Mouse for 33 years. Um, and she was also a big, big character actress on The Simpsons. So I'm a big fan of her. And I thought she did a really great job in this role because she was just like, kind of had just wild feral energy, just like cackling maniacally at everything and just floating through things. Cause she's like a, like a ghost. Um, she, she was my favorite as a kid and she was immediately my favorite this time around too. Um, I, I like, she has these like bright white cowboy boots for some reason that looked very eighties and very stylish. Uh, there were also a lot of leg warmers in this movie as might be expected from a movie set in the eighties, partially about gym teachers. A lot of leg warmers, and I was very happy to see them. Um, yeah, the other, I'll just mention, just mention now the other the other girls. Uh, you have Winnie, who's a little werewolf. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Maeve from, from Wolfwalkers uh, in her general style, with big curly red hair. Uh, and again, just complete unhinged feral energy, just being, being a little wolf child. Um, and uh, my, my favorite, uh, Tannis, the little mummy, uh, who was just so adorable and everything she says like I I think it's impossible not to want to just give her a big hug when she says anything um so I I like her a lot I I, I think she was she was delightful like I, I don't remember you know thinking much of her as a kid because like I was like the age she's supposed to be because she's like really little um but now that I'm grown up I just think that she's really cute and I like her a lot and I think there need to be more cute mommies in media. Look at that character growth. Yeah, I've I've evolved. I've definitely evolved. So um, proud of you. I I also I shout out to uh, speaking of of let women be weird. Um, I really liked the headmistress of the academy, uh, Mrs. Grimwood, who was yeah add very like Morticia Adams vibes. Um, but while looking a little bit like late 90s Michael Jackson, I think is the best way of describing her. Yeah, she's just living her best life and being weird. Yep, she just li lives in a big spooky house, teaches girls, is creepy, not phased by she's anyone. She's just a Madame Foster. Ooh, yes, that's such a, that is a really good uh, description. Yeah, she's got definite Madame Foster vibes. Um, really uh, coming through with the Cartoon Network uh, reference. Thank you. Today. I'm on a roll. Have I don't think we've talked about my favorite character yet. Oh, is it the Little Dragon? Yeah, I knew it was gonna be matches. As as I soon guess. as I saw it pop up again, I, I was just like, yeah, Katie, Katie is gonna like matches because matches is just like a cat 
that has firepower and can sort of talk. Not really. Frank Welker voiced him, which I think tells you all you need to know. Um, I think this was before Frank Welker started voicing Scooby-Doo. Because um, uh, Scooby-Doo was voiced by uh, Don Messick and uh, this one who I think originated the role. Um, but I think I think Frank took over not, not long after. But matches is adorable and makes trouble the whole time. He is great. I love him. Uh, my second favorite character, uh, the mustache on the Boy Scouts <laughs> scout leader. It's so bad. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. It's like a pencil thin French mustache. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know what the whole deal they went for with him. Um, he, he is sort of supposed to be like this very straight laced army man who's like raising these little boys to be good army men. But like, the characterization on him is so weird. Like, I think he's sort of supposed to be like that, like, mean, strict Dean who like gets slapstick shenanigans happen to him. So Hence why we we find him so funny. Um, but that doesn't really happen that much. So he just sort of ends up being this kind of just weird sort of mean guy in this movie. Yeah, with a terrible um, mustache. A really terrible mustache. Also, I love the, the 80s animation that occasionally didn't fill in the whites of the eyes so that they would be the same color as the skin behind them. Um, that was happening a lot in this movie and it freaks me out every time I see it because it's just like a little bit off. You know, your brain doesn't exactly clock why it's so off, but it's definitely wrong. It's for the spook vibes. Spook vibes. Sure. Sure. Why not? Why not? <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, oh, interesting. Actually, Frank Welker was occasionally voicing Scooby-Doo at this time. It was just going in and out, I guess. That's kind of interesting what do you think that conversation was like like getting cast for a scooby-doo movie knowing that like you have played scooby-doo in the past but like not getting asked to be scooby-doo in that one i have no idea that's a wild one yeah i don't know it just it, it it's you know the the character is obviously incredibly long running um so you know lot, lots of different they keep people. churning out scooby-doos and they will until the end of time, because why wouldn't they? It's great. What do we have? Two new Scooby-Doo things coming out? I think one of them got canceled. The, the, the Scoob Christmas movie got canceled by Warners. That one was canceled, but we all, we have the Velma one, which I actually don't know if Scooby-Doo oh, is in. Yeah. No, I, I think I, I think Scooby-Doo is, is very specifically not in that one. Yeah, and then there's the other one. In which film is the last me, and that's all I know. Let's see what's coming up. Yes, uh, Scooby-Doo and the Mystery Pups. Um, supposedly that comes out in 2024. I am a little bit doubtful because it, it's part of that Cartoonito pitch, the Cartoon Network Studios making uh, content for preschoolers. And I know that hasn't been officially uh, ended but they did just announce this week that Cartoon Network Studios are merging with Warner Brothers Animation, which tells me they're just generally cutting down on the amount of content they're going to be releasing. Um, so I'll, I'll put a great big old question mark next to that one. Um, uh, we're also nice getting... 
Trick or Treat Scooby Doo comes out this year. Okay. Um, or has come out. It released uh, seven days ago. Oh, okay. I have heard nothing about this, but yeah, looking at this, yeah, it's the 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 whole crew is there. Oh, Kate McCucci is playing uh, Velma. I don't know if she's played that role before, but that's a good good casting. If not, um, huh? Okay. Well, maybe that's good. Huh, it's kind of funny to me to think that Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo has not been used before. That feels like that would have been, that title would have been used, but okay. But James Gunn finally got his way. By that I mean James Gunn is not involved in this film. James Gunn just wrote Velma to be more gay in his original script, so it's finally happening. I mean, I feel like this has been, like, over the past, like, a year or so, everyone's been, like, really patting themselves in the back about the, like, Velma being gay thing. But, like, to me, Velma was always, like, a peppermint patty situation where it's, like, everyone knows she's gay. Like, you don't really need to say it. Although, of course, uh, Mystery Incorporated from uh, about a decade ago uh, gave her a relationship with Shaggy, which is probably the one element of that show I don't really like. The rest of the show is baller. Um, because it features an amazing love triangle between Fred, Daphne, and the concept of traps, which is the best love triangle that I've ever seen in this <laughs> the world. Um, but yeah, back to back to Scooby Doo in the Ghoul School. Um, it, it there was just so much, so many strange little like subplots and time padding that, like, especially in that last third. Like they had a solid 60 minutes of content here. And for some reason they needed to find an extra half hour of time. And there's a lot of padding in that last third. Um, there's like a random scene where they're in the castle when the little girls have been kidnapped by, by the evil Revolta. Um, and there's like a six minute sequence where Shaggy switches places with his evil doppelganger in a mirror and then evil mirror Shaggy chases around Scooby and Scrappy. Um, that had nothing to do with anything. They just needed more time. Um, they also get thrown into a into a pit with a with a pit monster, like kind of like a, it's like a it's like a water like well I guess a well they get thrown down basically but like it's a mechanical well and there's a monster living in there kind of a la the Star Wars monster and the trash compactor and they like sort of kind of befriend him they like play ball with him um and escape that way um but like also like the 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 revolta just is has to wait for to turn the girls evil but like she just has them cleaning her castle until then. And so you have to watch Shaggy go up to every single one of these girls and say, hey, we need to get out of here. And they are all brainwashed and say, nope, we're, we're sticking around. We're, we're on this side now. And he's like, I don't understand. Why don't you want to leave with me? It's like, we, you can't be this dense, man. You can't. He's like, it, it didn't work with the first four girls. Why do you think the fifth girl is going to go along with this? And you can't act surprised every time. Um, so yeah, they, they definitely did not quite know what to do with the remainder of the time they had. Um, but again, just good, good eighties cheese with like a big haunted castle. Um, and the, the, uh, you know, you got the creepy, scary witch lady and her, uh, evil minion who is called the grim creeper. Um, and just like, kind of looks like a, like a rotten avocado with like vines and like one giant eye. That that was weird to me even as a kid, honestly, because everyone else is like a pretty clear universal monster. And like even Revolta is like 
kind of just like a witch slash spider lady like they keep referring to her as the witch of the web and she has spider bat minions and everything about her is like a little bit spidery so like I guess that's where the four limb four arms come in but then she only has a total of six limbs I feel like they should should have given her more arms if they wanted to make her into a spider lady um but like everyone else like sort of I kind of get where they came from and I have no idea what the deal with the grim creeper is like He's just, uh, he's just like a, a weird avocado monster. But he's like, not, he's not really funny, not really scary. I don't know. He's just, he's there. He's there. And he's, he was a little menacing to me as a kid. I don't know. I, I, he, he's, I guess, mostly there to be like, kind of like a bumbling sidekick, but not like, he's not bumbling enough to be like a fully slapstick bumbling sidekick. <laughs> How, how far did you get in the movie, Katie? How far to the climax did you get? I think uh, I ran out of time about 20 minutes before. I really uh, tried to cut it close with this recording. That That's fair. Well, I, I think that means you were spared listening to the Scrappy Rap, which ended the movie. I was, and I'm glad. I <laughs> think that would not have been the first time I've heard him rap, though. I think he I did in that live action films. Well, because I feel like Scrappy was kind of brought in for the same reason that like Poochie was brought in on The Simpsons, but like played straight. Like Scrappy was meant to be like the cool youngster who comes in and like it where where Scooby, you know, speaks in a weird voice and is scared of things. Scrappy comes in, he's cool as a cucumber and he's excited for adventure and he's got a cool catchphrase, puppy power. And he's, I don't know, it's I you know, I think, I I think it was they hadn't quite figured out what the formula for audience surrogate young person was because I think they sort of modeled him a little bit after like Robin in the nineteen sixties Batman show, who was also sort of meant to fulfill a similar role where he like doesn't actually do anything, frequently needs to be saved because of his own you know actions getting him into difficult situations. Um, and is just sort of there to be like really supportive and empowering of the more well-known uh, larger characters. Um, and I, I think no one has ever really liked that trope. I think, you know, in later years, they would figure out how to make that type of character into more of like a, a flawed rebel type, I guess is the best way to put it. And I think that works better because you get to see them have like actual growth and like if they're annoying it's because like the show acknowledges that they're like young and stupid and need to grow versus the characters like Scrappy who are kind of always a little bit perfect because they're optimistic and happy and you don't want to rain on that parade but it makes it really annoying when they're just like endlessly cheery and perky and making little snarky quips and puns a lot of puns in this movie um i take it back it's not that there's a lot of puns in this movie it's just there's like five puns that they keep repeating um like particularly um with the uh, dracula's daughter i think her name her name is sabella i believe um and her whole deal is that she says things are fantastic and she uses that instead of bad. And that happens like 20 times over the course of this movie. Um, I think for the rest of this month, 
you must, instead of saying fa fantastic, say fantastic. I very well might because she did that so many times over the course of the movie. I think I forgot what the regular word was. I think I completely forgot that fantastic was a word because she said fantastic like 15 times. Um, and that was was pretty great. Um, but like there's there's a lot of things like that that they just sort of kind of keep doing. And I guess for a young enough audience, like I guess that's kind of the point because it sticks with you. Um, like I, I, I like they have like this whole running gag that the monsters only eat rotten food. Um, and they there's like a whole long scene where Scooby and Shaggy are like walking through the garden trying to find food that they can eat, and all the food keeps like exploding because it's all rotten. And then Sabella goes out and gets a pizza and brings it back, but oh no, there's gross toppings on the pizza, which of course Scooby and Shaggy just eat anyway because they eat anything. Um, but there's mm -hmm. like so many things where they just sort of run out the joke as long as you possibly could. Um, and it's fine. I mean, again, that's what you sort of expect from both 80s cheese and also things made for young kids. This really would have been a great 45 minute special. That's I mean, I think that's fair. I think I think it is rewatching definitely longer than I remembered, but like also reflecting I think that was kind of the point of things like this. Like, I think part of the reason I saw it so much was because my parents knew they could pop it into the TV, <laughs> plop me down three inches from the screen, say, stay and back away slowly. And then for 90 minutes, they didn't have to deal with me anymore. Like, that's important too. <laughs> but if, if they broke it up and did two-parter, like actually just made it two different movies, in the right. same I mean, space, I think it would have been even better. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I know we're not doing a pitch that reboot right now. I think this could be a very promising series. I think 11 minute episodes. I think the idea of Scooby and Shaggy being gym coaches at a school for monster children is pretty fun. Are you about to say that's just Monster High? No, I was gonna say this is just a weird, like a slightly different re reboot of Foster's Home. That, that's fair too. I've also but been- But also is kind of just Monster High. I've pitched this to other people before and they have also said that you're just talking about Monster High, which like, true, but like, there's got to be room in this world for multiple stories about kids, supernatural kids at a school. Like, I mean, I, I'm always surprised by how relatively few places that trope is used. Like, obviously Harry Potter uses it the most, but like, that's- that's great for kids. Like just reflecting on this movie and how it, you know, affected me as a kid. Like I would imagine I was a kid at the ghoul school, like, and that these were my friends and that we would take classes about making potions and we would, you know, go mess with the military school boys on the weekends and do spooky tricks on them. Like that is that kids like to think of themselves at like a boarding school away from parents where like yeah you do like school stuff you know in quotes but like it's mostly just like fun supernatural stuff and if you're into fantasy that's really fun um so yeah like I and like that's like I think I think mentioned before like why don't we have another sky high series like people like kids kids especially like the idea of being at a school a weird a weird fantasy school I think it's just it's I... just it's just enough removed from real life while also like still being something that a kid can relate to and imagine themselves in that situation 
I, for one, can't wait for your Halloween one-shot. <laughs> Honestly, I might. One of these days, I might do, you're all students at a spooky school, you're, you're a wolf man, you're, you're a vampire girl, go, go have shenanigans um, at, at your fantasy monster high school or just, middle school. Just uh, be careful there are no dolls allowed. Yes, no, no, no dolls. I've learned my lesson about letting people own enchanted dolls, um, <laughs> or or also in this case, be an enchanted doll. Um, it, it was funny in the in the very end of the movie, um, they uh, the Scooby and Shaggy are told that they've done such a great job with these group of girls that there's a new class of of ghoul students coming in. Uh, and one looks like an alien, one is like the creature from the Black Lagoon, and one is like a Godzilla monster. Um, and just sort of like that, that moment actually did make me reflect like, what what were the classic monsters like that were popular in the zeitgeist at this point that those would be the other monsters brought in? Because like, I feel like, like if it were done today, I feel like for, for one thing, one of those would definitely be a haunted doll. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think haunted dolls were so much a thing yet because Child's Play hadn't come out. Um, the closest thing you would have had would be like Talky Tina from uh, the Twilight Zone. But like now haunted dolls are like everywhere like that. You wouldn't make a movie like this today and not have one somehow um, be a part of it. Um, but also no zombie. I noticed like that became a big thing not too long after. Again, you know, Night of the Living Dead had already come out, but it wasn't, you know, as huge as it later became. Um, but I don't know. Just, just a little thing that I thought was, you know, fun. Um, I, I, I like that, like the they sort of melded some of the ghost stuff in with like the Phantom of the Opera, because like Phantasma like plays like a rad uh, harp, harpsichord or organ. I guess it was an organ um, solo, which was was pretty cool. Um, oh, we haven't talked about uh, the thing, the the hand floating, floating spectral Adams <laughs> family hand. I don't know how they got away with that. That feels like that should have hit some copyright infringement. Uh, cause that's not really a thing that exists outside of the Adams family. Um, I mean, floating hands are in a lot of, there are, there are floating hands in a lot of things. I think it's hard to copyright a, a white floating glove, actually. I, I guess that's probably true. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of something else that, cause I think, uh, I from think that time, wrong. I don't know. Uh, Super Smash Brothers has a floating white hand. Okay. Like, All right. white hand. They're... There are countless. I, I'm sure I've seen it in other video games. I've seen like disembodied hands several times in other video games. Oh, White you know what? Looking, looking up, it looks like it kind of was a thing in Scooby Doo. Like they, they had looks like there were quite a few episodes that had like floating white gloved hands. So okay, I take I take that back. I take it back. It is it is a thing, and they were not uh they they were not stealing from uh, Adam's family specifically. Except of course they were stealing from Adam's family specifically. This whole thing is big Adam's family vibes just in general. Um, I think is another reason why I feel like I have such a soft spot for it because I also I what I love about the Adam's family that I think. <sighs> recent adaptations haven't quite gotten right um and i i will even say that this about the 90s movies which i know a lot of people love a lot but i'm kind of meh on um i think that a big part of the the thrill of watching the adams family is that like they think they're totally normal they are happy the way they are they love how kooky they are um, and they're perfectly polite to everyone else around them and are not trying to encroach on anyone else's space. 
they're just weird. That's their lifestyle. And they're going to happily welcome anyone else into their world and not judge anyone for any other their weird things. Um, and that was like exactly what the ghoul school vibe was. Like the the military school kids thought they were weird and creepy because of course they were. Um, but the girls were like, just like, oh, you know, boys, like we're going to beat you guys. Ha <laughs> Like as if they were any two groups of children participating in a school sports competition. Um, so I like that about them. I like, I like that uh, Mrs. Grimwood also had those vibes when she was meeting with the, uh, uh, meeting with the the military guy for the other schools to prepare for their volleyball match. Um, she has an octopus butler, by the way. I know we're, we're probably going to start wrapping this up, but I felt the need to mention she just has an octopus butler who appears for no reason and just comes in, feed a butler with a little bow tie. Good for him. Friend. He, he was a friend. There were a lot of friends in this movie. Uh, Matches is the is the number one friend, of course. I'm sad you didn't get to see him with a boombox at the end because he comes in carrying a, a giant 80s boombox over his shoulder so Scrappy can do his Scrappy rap at the end. I'm trying to picture it, but for some reason, the only thing I'm picturing is instead of Matches holding a boombox is the iguana from the Magic School Bus holding a boombox. Oh, uh, Liz, right? Liz was the name of the iguana? I don't remember, but... That's what's in my head now. I mean, it's not not that. I mean, I think matches is kind of cut from the same cloth. I love the way he talks. I love his little like. I mean, he'd be voiced by D. Bradley Baker today. Um, oh, 100%. or or again, Frank Welker, who is you know you know get, getting on in years and doesn't have to take you know every tiny voice role that comes around. Um, but I'm we sure we all know he, D. Bradley Baker doesn't have to take every voice role around, but he's still here. He likes it. Honestly, I think he just likes it and good for him. Good, good for D. Um, but yeah, no, Matt matches is, is still great. I like that. He just like turns red when he, when he <laughs> goes to set something on fire, just an adorable little, little angry dragon. Um, I want one. I, I will, I will take a matches plushie. I'm sure they don't exist. Um, but if they were to exist, I would buy one in a heartbeat. But again, they probably don't because I don't, I, I feel like I occasionally see someone mention this movie. And I think for the people who like me saw it very young, I think there is a very strong, warm sense of nostalgia. Um, but yeah, reflecting on it years later, it, it is just kind of your 80s cheese. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's, we're, we're, we're happy that those things exist. Yeah, what, what, what are your what are your final thoughts on this having now been forced to watch it oh it's so 80s yep i think that i think that's that's all that needs to be said i think that's a perfect wrap up well uh tune in next week for more halloween shenanigans as all this month our cartoon time machine will continue uh to talk about all things spooky and scary and ghoulish uh, but we're in a very so creepy mood. We are well. I'm always in a creepy mood, but especially this month, I am full full Spooktober mode, uh, and I love it. I love it. Love, love, love this time of year. Um, so we're gonna pop back into our cartoon time machine, and I'm gonna put up some fake cobwebs all over the the time machine. And Katie can't do We don't need fake cobwebs. We keep forgetting to dust. There's a are lot of real cobwebs. Are we, are we supposed to dust? Is that a thing we're supposed to do? 
Yeah, I don't think spiders are really meant to time travel. I think we're bringing some weird, weird creatures with us each time. Oh, yeah, they're definitely going to get time travel sickness um, and probably mutate and get very angry with us. So let's let's No, I just hear I just hear one spider going in a corner every so often. Okay, we should probably get him some Pepto-Bismol then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go off and do that. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Scarlett. I'm Katie. We're your animates and we will see you next time.